Well, welcome back to Thoughts on the Social World, the Social World podcast. I'm Dave Niven, and as always, it's a pleasure to have your company. Now, last time, um, I was very pleased to be able to have as a guest uh, Sir Peter Wanless, the Chief Executive of the NSPCC, on the occasion almost of 10 years in the post and just getting him to reflect on things. And it was full of um, what he had discovered, what he thought, what he projected, uh, and what experience he'd built up in that time. But there was plenty more to come. So I'm delighted to say that he agreed to this second podcast. And so, Peter, a very warm welcome to you. Thanks, Dave. Good to be back. Okay. Well, look, if you don't mind, we'll just launch in because um, we, we kind of cut the preliminaries last time. Um, one of the things that I was most interested in was uh, the NSPCC's uh, response to the, the online threat to children. And uh, you said before that it was important to you, but I, I'd like you to expand on that, I will, if you wouldn't mind, just say a little bit about what you've done and what you're hoping for, and maybe with the new online legislation, you know, uh, what extras you might have liked to see added to it. Yeah, sure. Well, um, our focus has fundamentally been on designing basic child protection into the online world. So this is where children are spending significant parts of their lives, but there aren't obligations and responsibilities on companies um, aiming their services at these young people to exercise a duty of care or really give the kind of first thought to some of the design choices which would keep children safe, as we would expect of people who produce you know, toys for children or playgrounds for uh, for children. So it literally was a Wild West web. So the NSPCC ran a major campaign highlighting the the phrase, this kind of Wild West web. And we also pushed really hard for uh, a change in the law for um, grooming messages by adults um, uh, online and through text to be criminal offences. And, and this was really important because it illustrated the scale of the problem. We weren't just theorising about something. There was a clear and present danger to children as a consequence of the time they were spending online and the way they were uh, susceptible to predatory behaviour. So that's been our primary focus. Now that the legislation is almost there, um, we have been thinking really hard about where the NSPCC can make its most unique and distinct contribution with the legislation being in place. And after a lot of thought and discussion inside and outside the charity, we think that we have a particular ability to encourage and enable the voices and perspectives of children and young people themselves to be really um present and accounted for when people think about what is happening um, online. So that is going to be a particular area of focus for us in the next phase of keeping children safe online once we've got this legally enforceable um, legislation in place and Ofcom starting to do its job. I I mean, essentially, I mean, uh, I, I get what you're saying, which is laudable, 
but I'm also am I also translating some of that into kind of you're looking for the voice of the child? Yes, I think there's a danger that um, w- once the um, regulation is in place, these very big companies with very deep pockets will have all sorts of um, tame academics, research projects, um, ability to tell us all sorts of things that are going on um, to make children safer than otherwise be the case, which may not match up to the realities of what children are really seeing and experiencing in their day-to-day lives um, online. And we don't want to leave it to chance, leave it to progress by tragedy. Um, We are told um, not to worry too much about this because there are really strong complaints mechanisms built into the legislation. But once you are making a significant complaint, something really significant has already happened to children. So our argument is that there are opportunities for the consumer perspective, if you like, as we see present in other regulatory regimes to be designed more fundamentally into the legislation than is the case at the moment. So with Mm. number one objective in terms of what is left to be done in this bill is to see written in a child um, advocacy body to be there collecting and representing in real time um, what it is that's happening to children online. Okay, now, I mean, wouldn't you say it's fairly... um... Well, it's not strange, but it's always been the case, sadly, that you don't see many references or specific specificity to political manifestos and to the safeguarding and child protection. Mm. We don't see much in them ever that specifies. Um, have you yep. kind of like wondered about that as well? <laughs> I have. I have. I share that analysis and your um, frustration. I think, unfortunately, when something dreadful happens to a child, politicians and the public remember what fundamental importance safety in childhood has. Um, But we have singularly failed i think to cherish the importance of the the social capital of little people in quite the way we cherish the importance of accessible health care for very old people or holes in the road i think i mentioned when we were talking last time round there's definitely some unfinished business for the, those of us who believe in the vital importance of every childhood being worth fighting for, getting children up the political agenda present in manifestos, more strongly represented in um, public discourse uh, in times other than tragedy. Yeah, and I don't know of this, but I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Um, I, I did a couple of conferences with um, Tessa Jaul, 
back in the day, about the first thousand years of a child's life. Thousand days, yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Good one, eh? Yeah. Yeah, so Andrea, Andrea, Andrea Ledsam has picked up the um, baton there, and she has been a great champion for the first thousand and one days. So this is a cross-party uh, issue which has significant support and increasingly strong science behind it. Actually, the Princess of Wales um, has been an amazing champion for babies and and the early years, and I yeah. think she she is and can play an increasingly important role in drawing attention to um, some of the um, issues and opportunities there. No, I, 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 all of what you say, you know, I think is, is, is really encouraging, but there's, one, there's another component to it, which is perhaps more specifically a question for yourself. Um, one of the most difficult things and situations that, uh, that I, I came across when I was in practice was neglect by omission. Yeah. Uh, uh, or, you know, where love is not enough. Um, and th in a sense, that's as much safeguarding as the overt physical, sexual, whatever, or, or, or the deep, you know, kind of chronic emotional kind of situations. Yeah. It's just, and, and it's, I'm not sure, just do you manage to focus on it enough, do you think? Um, uh, uh, firstly, I agree with you. And if we looked at the nature of the calls and contacts to the NSPCC helpline for any adult who is worried or, or concerned about a child, neglect is the number one factor. So, uh, the, I, a question is where, when it makes choices about where and how to focus its attention does the nspcc best make an impact in terms of what we do what we enable and what we influence and although people think of us as a huge charity we're tiny in relation to the scale of the problem so we are not on our own going to be able to you know resolve the the causes and the scale of the neglect of children in this country. But I think it is a very fair challenge to ask if in our communications and our campaigning, we place sufficient emphasis on that, that particular dimension. I'd be really interested in people's thoughts about that, actually. Well, I, I thank you. I, I'd be Personally, I'd be very pleased if you would give it some more consideration. Um, it used to be the case, you know, where it, it was just, as I said, there was plenty of love, but there was no parenting. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was a real shame, you know, to eventually after everything had been thrown in to try and support, to help, to educate, to, 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 to whatever, prop up, call it what you like, keep the family together. It still didn't work, and, and some, of, yeah, the child in terms of the, the ability to have a, a a good childhood. And some of these factors are about parenting and parenting capability, and some of them are contextual factors in the lack of options and opportunities for yeah. families, yeah. aren't they? So, with child poverty going in the wrong direction, that is a worry and a concern for us. So, we're not a uh, we're not the experts in 
poverty, but we see the impact of poverty across the range of um, services and children which we're seeking to support becoming an increasingly complicating factor. No, I mean, I, I, I totally understand, obviously, that the NSPCC hasn't got, you know, control of the entire landscape. And um, mind you, it'd be quite nice if you did. I could ask you for yeah. all sorts of things. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> but, um, but you do, you, you are influential. And, you know, it's partnering with other agencies who perhaps specialize in something that you prefer just to be in partnership with rather than developing yourself. And, not, you know, to, to actually have, have a better presentation in terms of lobbying or campaigning or actually kind of operate, well, operationally, but you know what I'm saying, to actually influence yeah. people. Yeah, absolutely. And and in thinking about the uh, position and focus on children in, in the run up to uh, the, the manifestos, uh, we are doing a lot of thinking uh, particularly with Bernardo's Action for Children, Children's mm-hmm. Society, National mm-hmm. Children's Bureau. I mean, as as chief executives, we meet every sort of four to six weeks in terms of our areas of focus and our campaigning. We seek to be both complementary and reinforcing um, of one another. And there's 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 more to be done there for sure. But uh, I've got some great colleagues, you know, in the sector. Uh, with like-minded um, objectives and different areas of focus and expertise for the NSPCC, you know, child protection is our yeah. hinterland. Listen, let me ask you this. Um, I, I mean, you, I know you won't be able to give me a, an absolute definitive answer, but just your, your sense of it. Firstly, is risk. I'm looking at risks and challenges, right? And my understanding is that they are increasing. Um, and obviously need more extensive resources. You've referred to it in certain parts yeah. as well. But in terms of public attention, where does the safeguarding world sit now? Are we any more in focus? Uh, it's another one of your really <laughs> big, deceptively simple <laughs> no, questions. I, I, just uh, so, yeah. yeah, I think... Um, I think there's there is significantly more awareness and understanding of different types of abuse and neglect than there were, and that gives us a fighting chance at surfacing problems in order to be able to do something about them. The problem is that the nature and the scale of uh, what is being surfaced is... Uh, both beyond the capacity of the system to uh, respond to uh, at at the moment um, and too many of the worries and concerns and problems are being left too long so they become more entrenched more complex more requiring of multi-agency interventions deeper amounts of resource at the emergency end and what we really need to see is a shift to greater prevention, early intervention, small actions, which many more of us can take that don't require the kind of deep expert um, social work therapeutic uh, interventions that um, become necessary when 
problems become more complex. And then layered over the top of all that, you've got the system which um, Josh McAllister, you know, famously referred to as a Jenga tower held together with sellotape, which, however brilliant the people who are who are practicing within that uh, system, it's not lending itself to solutions which start with the realities of young lives. No, I know. I mean, okay, let, let, let me ask you this, all right, to try and if I, if I could develop something you were saying earlier. Um, new ideas. You know, I, I mean, like any good CEO, you, you're always looking for new ideas. But have you looked to Europe much or to other industrial industrialized countries and their opposite, if you like, your opposite numbers there? And and how they've evolved and what's worked and what hasn't worked and what you could take and what you know what might be interesting for here. Uh, yes. So in relation to the direct service, which is which the NSPCC mm-hmm. develops yeah. and delivers, um, because of the way we are funded, which is overwhelmingly from voluntary donations, we can innovate. We can take risks that. Um, it's very difficult to do in the statutory sector and we can devote yeah. uh, research and learning um, beyond I, what I was ever able to do when I worked in in government. So our services, which we test and learn from, are typically sourced from the best of what we've seen um, uh, around the world. Um, so if we take uh, there's there's a really interesting programme which we have run in and are running in Glasgow and also in South London, um, which are infant family teams that look in a kind of joined up way at what support can best be wrapped around the decision about whether a very young child should um, be placed into care or be put or will remain with their family. And the, the, the roots of this program come from New Orleans. And there was evidence from uh, the States which showed that when this was done really well, by the time these children got to 16, their um, achievements were indistinguishable from the rest of the population, irrespective of whether they went into care or stayed with the family. So that's that's transformational and that that's about early intervention it's about joining up um uh different services with one another it's about putting in place uh, a rounded program of support um sooner rather than later so that that that's an illustration of a an innovation that has come from another part of the world uh, but but in order to insert it into our context it's required all sorts of fascinating and challenging discussions with different um adult services with the judicial system um it's yeah it's 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 not easy to do but i think it's those sorts of experiments and interventions which because of the way the nspcc is funded we've got the kind of headspace and the opportunity and the responsibility to uh to to try out and assist the wider system with examining i'm really pleased to hear it i mean I, totally i i i've always believed in borrowing from the neighbors 
Um, you know, because there's so many good things. If only we could have the time, you know, in incredibly busy schedules, that's the problem, to to research and have a look and yeah. even visit, you know, goodness gracious. Another of the interesting things about NSPCC is that it's a UK-wide charity. So learning uh, and understanding the differences across the nations of uh, the UK is important. So for us, um, the equal protection of children from physical assault under the law, which mm-hmm. adults enjoy, sometimes known as the smacking ban, mm-hmm. um, is something which, you know, really matters um, to us. And we have campaigned with others to secure equal protection for children in Scotland and in Wales and in Jersey. Um, And we will continue to agitate, drawing on the uh, experience and the success which we've achieved in um, uh, Scotland, Wales and Jersey to see that change take place Mm. in Northern Ireland and England. I hope so. I mean, you know, um, this kind of work and this kind of need is not one that you start getting nationalistic about. There's got to be a consistency right across every country. Yeah, there's there's quite a different sort of discourse in in Scotland and Wales. Um, children's right rights based approach to policy is. Uh, the language is used more naturally and clearly. And I think that has helped progress some of the fundamental building blocks for children that have been a bit more of a struggle uh, mm. in England. I, I Yeah, I, I totally get it. And unfortunately, it's, it's not the sort of first area that is steeped in confusion. I mean... Um, if I say to you, European age of consent, for example, mm. in the age of the internet, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, yeah. uh, which is just for anybody listening, you know, it goes from depending which country, but it would go from sort of about 14 to 15 to 16, depending. I mean, and there was even one of the countries, I'm not going to name it now because I think they've just, they've just, just got rid of it, but it was a major European country where it was, in certain circumstances, the age of consent was 12. Right. Now, yeah, yeah. I mean, these and, are bigger international issues, and I, and I know that you have a, a, an eye to the world as well, haven't you, in terms of yeah. you know, cooperation? Yeah, yeah. You can also get, very you, the, we have limited bandwidth in terms of where we deploy our influence and our advocacy mm-hmm. and these design features of a legal system are vitally important but they can also take up extraordinary amounts of your time arguing yeah. about whether the age of consent or the age of criminal responsibility should be 12 or 14 or or 15 one of the things i love about the NSPCC is that we do mix practice with policy. So while we can have some of those arguments uh, in in the corridors of power with people who make laws, we've also got amazing folk who are delivering cutting edge services um, to some of the children who need them most and can then draw on that practice based experience to 
encourage and enable yeah. um uh wider system you know in, in improvements and 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 that that's what i really like about this job that's what i really liked about the job i had at the lottery as well where we were we were <laughs> funding people to do stuff um you're as talking to somebody to... that never won <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway but listen i mean you you've touched on it the future you know, developments and so forth and what might be. And like you said, and, and, and I'm, I'm picking up obviously that you are still quite committed to, to the job and, 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 and enjoying it. Yeah. So do you see any speeding up of awareness, um, amongst those that have got the ability to make changes? Um, in terms of the, the sort of overall well, legal framework. Well, I suppose, I, yes. Yeah. Um, the administration, hopefully, rather than... Uh, yeah. Well, mm. being, being brutally honest, I've been hugely, you know, encouraged and uh, uh, enjoyed the um, thoroughness and the focus and the extent to which um, those... Um, running and responsible for the system have been willing to face up to and do pieces of work which surface what some of the major issues and challenges are. The the okay. sticking point is translating that into mm-hmm. um, meaningful system change at a scale beyond what, if we're being really cynical about it, sometimes feel like a random collection of experiments, pilots, pathfinders um, that are constrained by the amount of resource that happens to be available at any given time and the particular areas that are fortunate enough to benefit from that kind of patchwork of of interventions. So my 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 ambition or dream would be to elevate the the quality of the analysis into some system changes which have broader effect than occurring in the small number of fortunate places that get a chance to experiment with the change over a sort of you know three to five year period before the money runs out and the attention moves to no, uh, I, I, to, to, I, to somewhere I, I, else yeah, yeah. um but the other thing that i having you know i a little bit of me feels you know i had 20 years in government as a civil servant and um there are, of course, there are major things that you can change by changing the law, but there are so many other exciting and interesting things that can happen when people and families and communities are mobilised and engaged and excited about doing things which make things better than they otherwise would be for for children. So one of the things which I love most about my job at the moment is, cheer, is chairing the Better Start Board in Blackpool, where we've got all the main players around the table um, with a governance structure which is committed to doing the best we can for minus six months to to three year olds using a co- common language of um, you know brain brain development and child development and face to face engagement, particularly with the children and families who wouldn't normally be um, seen and supported, and that that's a real privilege. And we are building capacity and capability for the town there which has a um i think a 
a sustainability and an excitement to it that is happening whatever and, like, and we're talking about Blackpool aren't we yeah one of the cha- most challenging places to mm. um mm. Uh, grow up with some of the you know highest levels of um children in care historically um in no. the country yeah and i've also heard kind of a, a um quite an issue to do with accommodating um refugees um yes I I wonder about I mean, but what you described there was a positive thing. I mean, I, I don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. sort of, you know putting that down, but the, I mean, there are huge problems all over the place still. How about talking about refugees? Um, any views or activity that you've been part of, or or just whatever about the um, young Ukrainians that have gone missing? Uh, we. Uh... We're, we're deeply concerned, you know, about the safeguarding um, implications for children who are not effectively um, uh, supported mm. when when they come into the the mm. country. So we have worked hard with other children's charities and refugee and asylum seeker groups to try and uh, reduce um, to zero. The children who are being put in these hotels or being put in some kind of holding arrangement where the home office is responsible for them pending being properly placed and resourced and supported with local authorities who, um, uh, when they are properly resourced and supported, um, know what to do in these circumstances. So it has, it's been really, um, troubling both the kind of design and the, execution of what's been happening to unaccompanied asylum seeker children and obviously the um you know the public discourse and debate on all of this you're you're stabbing my heart here i i i've run into this myself too when i tried to get um a, a proposal forward about to support them with ukrainians beside sort of uk social workers acting as kind of if you like uh, interpreters or just but just mentors you know um, and the the Ukrainians are somewhat more visible than some of the other um, unaccompanied children. I, well, ex- exactly, exactly. This this is yeah. bringing a huge issue back forward again. Is just, I mean, pe- the color of people's skin should never, of course, be anything to do with making decisions on. No, but anyway, um, listen, um, we've got about five minutes before the the meter runs out or whatever you know <laughs> um so, so look thoughts for the future come on are, are we going to be fighting the same fights over and over again in the last program i you know we agreed about the difficulty and yeah. even moving that figure from fifty thousand children a day being yeah. looked after um and many of them for um abuse um and not shifting at all uh even though we're yeah. we're 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 actually winning the fights we're entering, but there's just a huge sort of wave coming on still. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's finished. Do you? Uh, no, but I, I think that you know, one of the things which people in your profession do is bring real skill and hope to lives that, that deserve better. And, much more of that, I believe, uh, is 
is happening in a productive way as a consequence of us knowing and understanding what abuse and neglect looks like, being as a society much less tolerant of uh, the abuse and neglect of of children. Um, Although I moaned about um, children not having equal protection from physical assault in England at the moment when we poll um, the public about that issue, um, there's now a strong majority in favour of it, um, which I, I think politicians are struggling to catch up. They they still think it's popular to um, give people the freedom to knock their kids about a bit, which is pretty disgraceful. Um, there is there's there's I think there is significant progress being made, and those of us who are engaged on this battle um, continue to make things better for children day after day there will be young people this evening contacting Childline uh, in many and varied ways and recognizing that uh, they're not alone that the things which are happening to them aren't their fault that the system may not be yet appropriately organized and resourced to um, support them but um, as a consequence of them speaking out they will be, feel better themselves we will have increasing evidence about the particular issues and challenges they're facing which we can then take and use to advocate to um, those who are responsible so there's 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 plenty to play for and it's such important work that um i don't think we should feel um down downhearted or down spirited about these things whilst at the same time you know not being naive as to the the scale of what lies ahead these are really good messages look 30 seconds um a message to people considering safeguarding under any hat as as a as a kind of a vocation come career uh in life you know the, the the kind of people coming out of college now yeah. Or going, you know, going in to study. Any it's messages a, why it's a good oh, idea to do what you've done for the last ten years, for example, which has been kind of laudable. Oh, oh it's, it, it, it is such a privilege to be um, an important person in a young person's life. Um, if they are choosing you um, to help them uh, make sense of the world of the world whether you are a parent, a carer, a social worker, a volunteer, um, whatever role that might be, then just to see and appreciate the positive difference you can have on their lives are amazing. And actually another thing which gives me great positive thought about the future are the young people that we work directly with. So their imagination, their innovation, their lack of... um, uh you know they they don't want to be defined as the uh the covid generation they don't want to tell you about how difficult their uh their lives are relative to anything that's gone before they want and are capable of shaping the future so if we as adults can help uh in any way um encourage and support and unleash that potential that's a that's a really um uh, proud well, and I think it's a very good to... message. It's a very, very good message, to, and sadly to end on. So, um, Sir Peter Wanless, it's a 
privilege to talk to you. Thanks very much. And uh, congratulations on achieving 10 years and still having a lot of energy. Thanks very much. Okay.